You're listening to the Better Man Podcast, becoming life-giving men together. Hey there, podcast listeners. Adam Tarno here. I am really excited about the second episode in season three of the Better Man Podcast. We've got one of my dear friends, Randy Marshall, joining us talking about the difference between two very important words. So listen to this interview, and then I'll come back with a few closing comments. All right, Randy, welcome to the Better Man Podcast. It's fun having you here today. Thank you so much for being here. All right, so let's give the listeners a little bit of your background, and here's how I want you to tell your background story, rather than just going through the resume. Uh, I want you, because it's a long resume, and it's very impressive. Right? It? It's very impressive, <laughs> but here's what I want you to do. You are also uh, very educated. You have a lot of degrees, and I want you to tell the story of what degrees you have, and more importantly, how you paid for those degrees. Well, I'm the prime example of being educated way beyond my intelligence, Um I played baseball, majored in baseball at the University of Arkansas. I signed my junior year uh, with a scout at that time, the Chicago White Sox, Don Gutteridge. Uh, that'll date me. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but uh, when I talked to Lou Gorman, who was the general manager of the brand new uh, Kansas City Royals, in fact, they didn't even have a team that year. Uh, I played uh, Corning, New York, was the first team I played for in the New York Penn League. And Mr. Gorman said, uh, Randy, he was from Boston. That didn't sound like Boston, no, but anyway. That didn't, but no, it uh, didn't, but we're going with it. Okay. <laughs> he said, uh, here's your cash bonus. He said, what else can we do for you to get you to sign that contract? And I looked at my dad who was there and tears streaming down his face. And he said, uh, go for it. What do you want? And I said, I want you to pay. I took a deep breath, gulped. He said, I, I want you to pay for all of my education. Mr. Gorman said, all of your education? How much do you anticipate being educated? <laughs> and I said, wherever I go to school, whether it's master's degree, whether it's seminary, whether it is whatever, uh, I want the royals to pay for it. He said, sign right here. That is so amazing. So they gave me $5,000, a brand new Buick Skylark, and all the education. So that's why I have a PhD. I said, let's just keep on going. <laughs> keep going. <laughs> yeah. That is awesome. So just the logistics there, do you submit an invoice to the Royals or do you, like, how did they work that out? Exactly. Uh, that's exactly what I did. I would say, I'm going to go another semester at the University of Arkansas, University of California, Western Seminary, and I would send them uh, the invoice and They'd pay the school. There we go. So all the dads that are listening right now with young kids that they think are going to be the next Randy Marshall out there, this is a great strategy. So your financial planner is telling you to worry about college. No, you keep making sure that kid can uh, can get a ground ball, and then maybe maybe the Royals will pay for their education. That's exactly right. And I wasn't that good either, but <laughs> it just goes to show you have not because you ask not. I just leapt out there, and he, he in a weak moment, he chomped on that cigar, and he said, let's do it. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, that's a fun story and a great way to just to give some back background. And so, uh, so yeah, you went, I mean, you got a master's degree, you got a PhD, you went to seminary, you've professionally, you've spent some time in seminary or excuse me, in church world. I have. You've Uh been a pastor, you have been a a communicator and speaker uh, professionally for a while. What else have you done professionally? I went to Western Seminary and they asked me to stay on. So I was a professor there. That's right. I taught homiletics and communication, then went back, started a couple of churches and then uh, decided, uh, after I became a Christian, I was on the staff of Campus Crusade. Okay. And uh, then it morphed into uh, actually deciding I wanted to go into a dark world uh, called the corporate world. <laughs> and I began to talk to my wife, Kathy, about it. 
And I remember in Sandestin, Florida, right, we're on the beach, and I said, uh, I need to go speak uh, for a living. And so that was 1986, okay. and I've been doing it ever since. That's right. And so your core message, I mean, you've had a lot of messages. I remember one of the first times you and I met over lunch, you said, Adam, I, when I started my career, I had 10 messages. And uh, uh, nine of them weren't very good. And so then I just had one. That's exactly right. That's right. And so this one core message that uh, I remember at the end of that lunch, you teased it. You said, yeah, I, I, I see leaders confuse these two words. Right. You didn't tell me what they were. Or no, you did mention the words, but you didn't tell me what the, the crux of the message was. So I think that was a Friday afternoon. You and I met for lunch. I wake up early Saturday morning and I'm like, I got to figure out what these what these two words mean and what the difference is. And I go to YouTube and I find some old video of you sharing it. And I mean, to Did and I I'm have not, hair then? No, no. I, 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 yeah, I didn't want to bring that yeah, up. But anyway, so uh, it was life changing. It really was. And that is the common theme I hear from people when I've been sharing this message, because I've just been ripping you off over the past couple of years Good and, for you. and sharing this message with others. But so so here, your core message is really just trying to find and bring clarity between two words, and the two words are goals and desires, because you see a lot of confusion there between those two words. So talk about that. I had a lot of confusion about those two words. Uh, when I was 50 years of age, I was really struggling, struggling in my marriage, struggling in my business, living almost a dual life. And went to a dear friend of mine, and I said, here's my struggle. And for about an hour, I poured out my problems. And my friend Don said, uh, Randy, you're a control freak. He said, you're being responsible for people. You can only be responsible to people. And I said, I don't even understand what that means. <laughs> and he said, uh, well, have you ever prayed the serenity prayer? And we quoted it together, and I said, still, help me. And I was dazed, and he said, I'm going to give you one principle that I think will change your life. It'll change your life personally and professionally. Uh, he didn't give me a baker's dozen, which I was glad for that. I was overwhelmed anyway. And he began to talk about the difference between a goal and a desire. And he said, uh, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. You can set the sail on a boat, but you can't bring the wind. I said, I got it. And he said, uh, here's your problem. He said, uh, you don't know the difference between those two terms because for 50 years of your life, everything you've heard about goal setting has been wrong. Hmm. Well, I took a bit of umbrage at that, but I said, what are you talking about, Don? And then he began to define the terms, and it began to radically change my life from that point on, where I found out there is a huge bit of difference between the two, and I'd mix them up for five decades. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's going to be a lot of men that are listening to this when they hear the word control freak, which obviously that can be a little harsh or uh, hurt when you hear that, but there's going to be a lot of men that are going to uh, identify with that. Because I think generally speaking, as men, we like to be in, we control. Want to be in control. We want to be in control. And we, uh, we maybe have some success and things look like that was because of us and we have control. But I think one of the principles in that little YouTube video that I watched that, that morning I think you started that talk off saying that the key to happiness in life is uh, knowing who's in control. No doubt about it. What I've discovered, Adam, is that I can have peace on the inside and productivity on the outside if I know the difference between the two. If I don't, then I am frustrated, sometimes despondent, sometimes depressed, because what I'm discovering is I've mixed the two up and... Uh, unfortunately, because of that, uh, 
I'm paralyzed many times. Yeah. So let's unpack this. So what is, uh, as simply as you can state it, I think you've got like a couple bullet points under each word to help describe them. So what's the difference between a goal and a desire? Well, the question was posed to me, Randy, is it a good goal for you to have a great marriage? I said, of course. And then Don, my friend, when I was in trouble, said, is it a good goal to have uh, your children be raised to be responsible citizens? And I said, well, of course. And then he said, there's where your problem is. They are not good goals because your children and your spouse are out of your control. And you cannot control them because they have a free will of their own. They can go their own independent way. And he said, here's the definition of a goal or a desire. A goal is that which you alone own and you alone can accomplish. It's dependent upon no one else. But a desire is just the opposite. Desire is that which is out of your control and is dependent upon someone helping you pull it off. And then he had the caveat. He said, well, let's practice that. He said, is it a good goal for you to be a good husband to Kathy? Hmm. Is it a good goal for you to be a good father to your three children? Aha. Uh-huh. And suddenly the light began to dawn, because I can control being a good father, being a good husband, but I cannot control my marriage or my kids. Good parents have bad kids. Bad parents have good kids. Yep. Go figure. <laughs> now, there's a principle involved there. Yes, you're probably going to hit the bullseye more often if you operate on biblical principles and strong faith-oriented principles. But still, you can't control another person. It's a calculated risk every time. Yeah, which is why uh, I think that could stump a lot of people the very first time they hear it. Is this a good goal to have a strong marriage? Uh, and that is such a great example to talk about the distinction between both of right. these, because you're right, because a, a marriage, by its definition, involves two people. Correct. So you can't be just married to yourself, so therefore having a good relationship with somebody is a desire, it's not a goal. One of the problems I think, Adam, we have in business is we banty these words back and forth, objective, mission, goal, whatever, and we really don't specifically or precisely define them. Yeah. Here's the problem. If, I, if I'm dating a girl and I say to her, will you marry me? Now, she may or may not. She may say yes or no. But one thing she won't say is, well, I what? What's What's, what marriage? Because we think we know what that word means. It's the same thing in a business speak. We use all these terms, and we need to define those terms. I'd operated 50 years wrong definition That's right. of a goal. And here's the problem. In business, if you don't have a good 90-day plan, which is based on goal setting, your strategy is messed up. If your strategy is messed up over the next year, then your three-year vision is messed up. So we've got to perk back and say, what's the key to unlock what you talk about all the time is clarity. Yep. Yeah, and that key is just determining who's in control right now. What are, what are the things that I alone, and I like that word, alone, I alone can control those. And those are the only things that should be goals under this definition, under this framework. And so what's really interesting, like I bet, uh, you know, there's some men listening right now that they probably got together with some of their guys, maybe if they're a part of a church and a small group, or maybe some some folks in the, you know, that they work with, and it's the beginning of the year, and they're starting to talk about what are your goals this year? Right. And I love doing this. I'll ask people, do you have goals this month or goals this year? And then just listen to what they say. And I'll say this, Randy, in my experience, since you've shared this principle with me, 75% of the time, somebody's list of goals is filled 
only with desires. They flip it every time. Every time. Let me tell you what I do. Somebody says to me, would you meet with me, consult with me? Go to Denny's or something, and they have a legal pad. And they'll say to me, "Um, here's where I'm struggling. So I'll take some notes. And I'll draw two circles for them. And there will be a center circle, which is smaller than the outer circle. In the center circle, I put the word responsibility. In the outer circle, I put the word concerns. And what they've listed off to me go in the outer circle. Economy, competition, my manager, whatever it is. It's in the outer circle. Inevitably, those things are out of their control. The center circle constitutes... If it's going to be, it's up to me. I got to make this happen. I got to go play in the the traffic. This is my job description right in the center. So what I talk about is a glance gaze principle. We gaze at the center circle. We glance at the outer circle. Don't flip that. We're flipping it all the time. So where you focus, what happens to the center circle on responsibility? You focus there, which you can control. Yep. It gets bigger. The outer circle, if you focus on that, it gets bigger and the center circle gets smaller. So here's what I do. I redefine the terms. I say, let's substitute the word responsibility here for goals. Mm. The outer circle, out of your control, call those desires. That's the basis and the philosophy behind this whole Goals versus desires. That is fantastic. So let's, um, okay, so there's a couple other principles under those. So like a, a goal you talk about is related to activities and a desire is related to results of activities. Why don't you unpack that real quick and then let's let's talk about some other ways this applies. Yeah, let me grocery list that and then we can yeah. uh, hop on that. Three principles that drive a goal. Keep in mind, it's in your control. Right. Number one, you have to work for a goal. Okay. You can't sit in the office and have them knock on the door. It doesn't come by osmosis. Right. You got to go out there and seek them. If you're in sales or in your management, you're recruiting people, you got to go out. So it takes a work ethic. That's got to be translated, secondly, into activities. When I played baseball, my dad used to say to me, Randy, to hit the ball, you have to swing the bat. I don't care what kind of pitch it is. Get the bat off your shoulders. Catch a fish, put a hook with a bait, hopefully. You want, you want a crop, plant the seeds. you got to water it. But the point is, that work is always translated into activities, and that's behavior-driven. The third one is time-driven. Goal setting is predictable, Adam, and it is scheduled. i got to put it in my day timer. If I can't control it in time, it's not a good goal. Yeah. I'm just playing around with it. So all of those things, work activities generated from I got to do it or it won't get done. And then finally, it's got to be predictable and scheduled. But if you flip the coin on desires, it's just the opposite. You do not work for a desire. Number one, you pray for a desire. And the old adage, I work as if everything depended upon me 100%. I pray as if everything depended upon God 100%. That is the serenity prayer. So then you move it on down the line. And what you mentioned just a second ago, desires have to do results of the activity. And here's what I've discovered. I hold goals with a tight hand. I hold desires with a loose hand. But in a laser-like focus, if I'm focusing on goals, it's amazing what results I get. Because I dissipate energy if I don't. 
I'm griping and complaining about the things I can't control, and it's water cooler talk all the time, and it's commiseration, and it's criticism, and oh, those people out there, and all that kind of stuff, when I could be working. Yep. <laughs> put a circle around me, the revival begins with me. Yep. I am the problem. And then finally, it's unpredictable, and it's unscheduled on desires. They come out of the blue, serendipity. Oftentimes, I don't deserve it. Sometimes, I don't earn it. But it just happens, but it's amazing what happens. As my dad used to say, you know, the harder I work, the luckier I get. <laughs> yes, it's so simple, but yes, so profound because it is so easy to uh, just to flip those two. And I don't know why it is. It could be just a discomfort with it. I mean, in, in 2020, gave men around the world so many opportunities to get these two things mixed up, right? And there was so much clarity that was driven. Like, like we had uh, very little control, almost none, over the pandemic. Uh, we had very little control over what government officials were going to do. And all you could really do, those who were handling uh, the, quote, unprecedented times well, and those who were not handling it well, I think really understood, hey, I've got areas of concern. I cannot control any of that. All I can do is focus on my home and my life right now and my business and, or, or whatever's going on in my, in my church that I just got a laser focus right now. You know, I think this pandemic has created our feet firmly planted in midair kind of attitude where I finally figured out, you know what, I'm in control of really very little. Yeah. And so it comes out of the blue and holy mackerel, what's going on here? Do you know that for three years, I've not done this message at all. I've sort of moved into missions and sort of gone a lot of traveling, done some writing. This next month, I'm doing 13 of these messages out of the blue, people calling me saying, you know that message you gave three or four years ago? We think we need to revisit that message. That's right. Because people are very aware of that. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, I understand why. Yeah. We've lost traction. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's explore how this impacts the life of a man a little bit. Let's go through a couple different roles that he may have. So let's, uh, let's talk about uh, the role of as a husband and a—well, let's say dad. Let's go dad first. Okay. So. Uh, what you're saying is right now, hey, I want to be a good dad. I don't know one dad out there that says, you know what, Adam? No, I don't want to be a good dad, right? Every right. every dad wants to be a good dad. What we're saying here is this, this uh, I want to be a good dad. That's a desire. Mm-hmm. And so what do they do now to start to figure out what the goals are? What are the things that they can work for, the activities that are scheduled and predictable? One of the things that we've done for about three decades now as a family is we do goals and desires. Um, and uh, we have 12 grandkids right now, and we have three adult children. Uh, so we gather on a three-month basis, and we talk about uh, goals and desires. We've gone over this very message. They know exactly what's going on. And so what happens is it enhances our communication. We have a basis to be able to talk yep. to one another. Yep. And on an annual basis, we get to Sandestin, Florida, and we go over our yearly goals and desires. But we plan literally as a family goals and desires every three months. And so that has helped us tremendously. Even our little kids know what a goal and desire is. So it's, it's changing the culture, the culture of the family that, you know what, I can set a climate of love and acceptance around here, but I can't change you any more than I can change the weather. That's right. Because you have a will of your own. You can go your own independent way. But I always want to have a basis of communication with you, and this gives us some vocabulary to have it. That's right. And so a, a guy that's in there and wants to be a good dad, go, okay, what, what can I control? I can't control my daughter. I can't control my teenage son. 
what can I control? And uh, let's go back. So I can I can try to I can control my attitude. Yeah. I can control trying to initiate with them. I can control inviting them to uh, to come run an errand with me, or I can control trying to schedule some time to be with them yeah. on, on the weekend or something. Let's like take that. A, let's take a goal that just not long ago I had with our youngest daughter. Uh, she's busy. Uh, she's like a PT boat. I'm very task centered. Yeah. Phi Beta Kappa type thing. And so I wanted to get to know her heart. And so I said, Mindy, I said, uh, in a goal and desire thing beforehand, I said, uh, uh, could I have a date with you uh, once a week in terms of the phone call yeah. or getting to get, and communicate with you? Now, not to be totally picky here, but it was not a good goal for me to say, get a date with Mindy. Yeah. What is in my control is ask her for the date. There you go. And now that seems subtle. No, but it's but so important. But you know what? She says, Dad, thank you, but I'm busy. Now, that could hurt me. Oh, she doesn't care about meeting to me. No, but I ask her, and I've done all I can do. I operate on what I call the Shamgar principle. You know what that is? Huh. Judges 333, neither did I. <laughs> I, um, I didn't have, you know, no, Kansas no. City Royals pay for my seminary education. Well, that's a good point, yeah. <laughs> Nor did I have an ox goad, but Shamgar did, and he killed 600 Philistines or whatever number it was. And the principle that comes out of that is do what you can wherever you are with what you have. That's so good. Say that again. Say that again. I like that. Do what you can. Do what you can wherever you are with, with what you have. you have. Yeah. And that's what goal setting really is. That's what a goal or in your control really is. I can't change the world, but I can change my world. And I can set a climate, but they can have their will go their own independent way. Yeah. I'm even thinking about that right now as my kids are getting older. I've got a 12-year-old and 10-year-old, and my 12-year-old will be in middle school next year, and just even... Uh, watching how much time he's spending with friends now, and uh, and just uh, it's a subtle difference, and I'm just starting to realize, okay, the game is changing, and I like what you're saying there on that what you what you shared with your daughter. I can't. Uh, all I can do sometimes the goal is just ask Jake a question. Right. That's it. That's it. That's all I can do, and and ask him maybe the same question every day, or just go up to him and look him in the eyes and ask him something. Like just try to pay attention and. And that starts to get you in this realm of I'm, I'm controlling what I can control right now. You know, uh, when I perform a marriage ceremony and do premarital counseling, I'll, ask, I'll say, you know, there's three things I'm going to be talking about in this ceremony. One is commitment will hold a relationship together, but only communication gives it life. Okay? Second principle is always be better to be kind than to be right. But the third principle is this. Do not dwell on the things that bug you. Dwell on the things that bind you. And what I've discovered is the subtlety of a goal versus a desire allows me to execute the third one. Yeah. It's the glance gaze principle. If I have a white sheet of paper and over in the corner I have a big black dot, where do your eyes go? They go to the black dot. But the more I focus on that that bugs me, that bothers me, the bigger it gets. The cancer cell becomes a tumor. And it wipes out all of the good stuff that bound me together in the first place. So I take back accountability for my own actions. I don't got nobody to blame but myself if you really understand what a goal versus desire is. And I'll tell you what's good for managers out there. It takes away the excuses. I go to a church that says, let's take away the excuses. 
And what Goals vs. Desires does, it says, oh, I know you felt bad. I know you didn't have energy. It's what did you do that you said you were going to be doing? Because you alone could control that. Yeah. So, Randy, let's now move over to the the world of just our relationship with God, personal relationship with God, our faith. So how has this principle impacted that aspect of your life? Well, first of all, when I was in full-time ministry in the church, vocational ministry in the church, uh, I would be conditioned so much on the reaction of an audience, whether or not they were engaged with me, whether or not they were looking at the ceiling, whether or not they were tired, they didn't feel good, environmental distractions, internal distractions. What's helped me a lot in ministry is to know that I have three responsibilities. I am to be clear, accurate, and relevant. And I am to be that at home. I'm to be that in the pulpit. I'm to be that in ministry. All I can do is all I can do. All I can do is my best. I cannot control an audience. And so when I would teach or preach or I would disciple or I'd evangelize, most of that was out of my control in terms of their reaction. In fact, all of it was. That's right. All I could do was be concerned about becoming a persuasive uh, communicator uh, where I had my, you know, it's it's funny, Adam, um, character, compassion, and my content are all controlled by me. Hmm. Those are good goals to increase my character, my honesty, my integrity, to increase my compassion or love for other people and to to grow in my wisdom in in content. Those are all in control by me. That's all I could do is is present that and leave the results to God. Yeah. And then, you know, professionally, their engagement and the audience uh, learning something, all that kind of stuff, that's out of your control. You, it is. you don't know. And yeah, and I think about this, uh, how this has impacted my walk with the Lord, uh, just reminding me of the power of the simple disciplines, right? That um, just, uh, you know, be that principle of just like the uh, small, consistent deposits over a long period of time. A long obedience in the same direction kind of idea. Yeah, yeah. he it said really that is so true. well. Because what we we do in ministry, oftentimes, we, you know, I had a guy say, you know, in terms of nickels, numbers, and noses, you know, we're counting and all of those things. All of those things are basically out of our control. Totally. Totally. And, you know... I'm to be faithful, period. Just, period. And so it's waking up in the morning, make the cup of coffee, sit down, open up God's Word, and read, right? Uh and then after you read, then talk to talk to the Lord. You know, pray. Um, people make you angry throughout the day. Take a deep breath before you talk. I mean, just little things like that. You just start to realize the list of things I control is much shorter than I prefer, mm-hmm. but much more deep and profound and helpful uh, than I maybe first gave it. Uh, you know, than I first knew. Spring training in baseball. Yeah. You go back to the basics. If you're having trouble out there in business and you're really scrambling, go back to say the key question, who's in control here? All I can do is my best. Um, Our daughter, Whitney, said to me when she was in college, Dad, I'd like to make an A in Spanish this semester. And so I said to her, "Uh, is that a goal or a desire? And she said, well, that's a goal. And I said, well, who's controlling the grades? And she said, the teacher. I said, I'll tell you what. I'll pay for a tutor, you study the vocabulary, you do whatever you can do, and we'll pray you get an A in Spanish. You know what she got? What'd she get? A B. 
<laughs> but here was, she said, but she was content because she said the key to contentment is you do your best and then you leave those results to God. There you go. And that's exactly what, what happens to me. What I find is shalom takes place here. A deeper peace takes place when you grasp the difference between the two. Work for goals, pray for desires. Work for goals, pray for desires, and don't get them mixed up. It is the serenity prayer. It really is. It really is. So a couple last questions before we wrap this up. Have you noticed any difference in this principle with certain generations or age groups? You know, it's funny. I've talked, I've taught these principles to 22,000 people over the last 20 years, uh, and most of them have been very young. Um, and it looked like a United Nations uh, meeting in most of these cases. Yeah. So culture didn't enter into it. Okay, that's good. Age did not enter into it. What I've discovered, and this is the reason I think, uh, Adam, this is a signature message for me, is it's as applicable to small kids that we have grandkids, and it's applicable to 75-year-old guys who've said to me, I wish I'd have heard this 25, 30, 40 years ago, it would have made a huge difference in my marriage and in my business. You know, I have people all the time say, uh, I want to save my marriage, but my husband isn't interested. Yeah. Or my whatever. Yeah. And I said, come on, because I want you to become so attractive on your own that that person would want to come back to you. So let's work on our own stuff. And that's where a goal and desires comes in. I share a tape with them on a goals versus desires, and suddenly they feel a sense of, you know what? I need to get better. Yeah. So from a standpoint of age, honestly, um, one of the problems I had with 10 messages you mentioned earlier was, I th- oh, gosh, this is so good. Everybody's going to love these. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> I mean, they weren't very good. Uh, but what I've discovered... Uh, I'm 73 now. I gave this message when I was 50. All those years, I think it has more relevance than ever before. Yeah. I really do. I think the millennials can, can go for it. I think some, uh, some of the older people that have heard this say, you know what? I wish I'd have heard it sooner. I'm going to apply it for the rest of my life. That's exactly right. Yeah, I think that the, uh, the older, when I share this with folks that are uh, older than me, there is more regret and like, ah, oh, I wish I would have known this earlier, which is them just confirming this is right. Well, I wish I'd have known it before 50. Yeah, yeah, I bet. And then um, as early as my, you know, I heard this message from you about two years ago and started sharing it with my older son, and he got it. I mean, because it, it, it is, it, there's, a, there's a simplicity to it that is understandable, uh, but then it just takes the discipline to remind yourself every day. You know, uh, when, when older people come, I say older, adults that have, let's say, junior high people and their, uh, kids, uh, they will bring their kids to these meetings. And they'll ask their manager, could I bring our kids to hear this message? Yeah. And uh, they talk about it. Yeah. And these kids talk about it. So it's not, an, it's not a foreign concept. I'll tell you what, works particularly good or well if uh, you have sp- uh, kids in sports. Yes. That's exactly right. You want to get, oh, you want to be a better basketball player? Okay, well, let's talk about it. So what do you control there? What right? do you control? What do you control? You want to make the, the middle school team or the high school team? That's right. What do you control with all this? Okay, let's make this the last thing. So um, what what can a leader do with this? And and I'm envisioning your your worksheet here, this one sheet of paper yeah. that 
uh, we'll, we'll make it available in the show notes for them, this, uh, this worksheet, but they don't even need to download it. I mean, they could literally take a sheet of paper, fold mm-hmm. it in half, right. and what do you want them to write on one side, what on the other, and what's a little exercise you want them to do? Uh, the way I do it is uh, it's very, very simple. Uh, I have three principles that guide it. Uh, number one, it should be three months because I believe in a 90-day plan. Uh, number two, uh, you should start with uh, desires first and then perk back to goals because what motivates a person is what benefits a person. And then third, you should have a partner. The partner should hold you accountable for your goals and pray for you in the area of desires. And so the way that works is there are three areas that I have spheres of influence, personal development, myself, others, or relationships, and then finally work. Uh, what I do for a living. Yeah. It goes in that order because I've discovered that if I'm growing, it spills over to relationships, relationships, if I'm getting along with people, working in harmony, they like me, it spills over to work. So I'll do goals and desires in, in uh, those three categories. I start with desires, go back to the goal. That's good. And when you start with the, with the desires, it really is a simple question. What do I want? Right? What do I want? What do I desire right now? Desires have to do, Adam, with success. Yeah. Um, goals have to do with inner excellence. Mm-hmm. Outer success versus inner excellence. Uh, goals have to do with that bad word we all like so much, because with a D called discipline. Mm-hmm. Ugh. But discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness camp right there in the area of goal setting, and then find out more often than not, if you work on this side and focus on this side, you leave those results, you'll be shocked. In sales, I say, you want to up your apps, applications? I said, focus on your activities over here and leave the results right over there. And I firmly believe that you leave the results to God and it works out. That's right. I love it. Well, listen, personally, I'm glad you abandoned those other nine messages. Because this this is a great one. I love it, and I'm so glad that you were able to be in here in studio today. I like and you so up. much. I'd like to go with those nine messages on a future program. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> if you want the special Forget Better Man, it. we'll do a special Better Man Randy Marshall series. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I could make you a worse man. <laughs> this one... <laughs> The underground, the hidden tapes, the demo tapes. It'll be like some band. I hope those so. things... Uh, any book I wrote or any article I wrote, I hope they're burned by now. My parents <laughs> went around trying to buy those. Never mind. Forget anyway, it, yeah. all right. Randy, as always, great to be with you. Thanks for being on the episode today. Thank you, Adam. How helpful was that? I told you guys you were going to love Randy Marshall. I am so grateful that he came to spend some time with us. That distinction between goals and desires, it's simple and clear, yet so profound. And uh, listen, I got some good news because Randy believes in this message so much that he is graciously giving our listeners two free gifts. Number one is this, it's a goals and desires worksheet. This is an easy to use one page worksheet that will help you think through and begin to implement this framework in your life. And so he wants to give that to our listeners. And then the second gift is a goal tracking worksheet. And so after you've set some goals, he's offering this worksheet to help you track them. So hopefully they will become a habit and bring some positive and lasting change into your life. Both of these gifts are available on our website. You can go to betterman.com slash blog. That's betterman.com slash blog. Right there, you'll be able to download them 
and print these out and start to use these in your life. And so Randy, once again, thanks for joining us on the podcast and thank you so much for those gifts. I know those are going to help so many of our listeners. If you'd like to learn more about how you can bring the Better Man 11-week experience to your church or community, please visit betterman.com. Today's episode was mixed and edited by the amazing team at Sound of a Rose. You can learn more about them at soundofarose.com. Once again, thank you for listening and have a great day.